BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. Hey, welcome back to the show. How's it going, Corey? It's going well, Julie. How are you doing? I am I'm good. I'm really good. I'm I'm hyped up. I am enjoying the summer and you know, we're we're getting things done. We're making things happen. We are pushing through. We are. So let's uh let's talk about data. Let's, your one of your favorite topics. It is one process of my and data. Let's talk about data. You're such a nerd. I'm not really. You're really not. No. Um yeah, data. I love data, and I think that more people need to love data. Love data, yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because data, in and alone by itself, doesn't lie. Right. People can manipulate data, but for the most part, data doesn't lie. It tells you all it is is just telling you information. How you interpret that information, how you use it, totally up to you, but. I don't think I don't think a lot of people like to dive into the numbers because they like to go off of feelings. And God, are we in such a fucked place right now in this country where everything's about feelings? It's I feel this way. I don't give a fuck what you feel. Here's the data. This mm-hmm. is what the numbers say. We just spent two years of um, data manipulation, though, Correct. to make us feel a certain way. Correct. And that. You know, for anyone who doesn't think that just happened, get out of your echo chamber. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, it's all all sides. Everybody in mm-hmm. politics, in media, manipulates the fuck out of data for their own personal needs, gains, whatever you want. You know, whatever it, you want to call it. Is there ever a reason to manipulate data for good? Like, does it? Like, is there ever? Could you ever make a case for saying we should manipulate this data because? Of X. That is a great question. I've got more. Thank you. Uh, I don't. I don't know the answer right now. I think we need to. We need to talk about that we more. Need to talk about it more. To and and you know, um, it's uh, manipulating data on the surface just means you're lying, right? Um, and I and and I don't like that. So I'm gonna say. Overall, no. The answer is no. It's not. There's no, no time where it would be good to manipulate data, um, because you're if you're manipulating manipulating the data, you're manipulating people. You're lying to people, mm-hmm. and even if it's for their quote unquote own good, it's your opinion of what their own good is. Correct. You're making a you're making a judgment call on what's good for everyone instead of just letting people make decisions yes. for themselves. Right. Yeah. And, you know, data, as weird as it's this is going to sound, data always has a story to tell. Right. So data's facts. It's a it they are, you know, data is, that's facts. That's that's it's not it's logic and reason and facts. It is not it is it, they're not fo- soft and fungible. Right. 
But there is a story that you can tell with the data, right, to help people understand it and digest it. And it also, like, data tells you what happened or why something happened, right? But for some reason, we feel the need, we, the royal we, not you and I, to manipulate data to make it tell the story that we want it to tell rather than the story that it is telling. Yeah, instead of it's, you know, we've done this quite a bit over the past couple of years and and just in, in general. It's in science, you have a hypothesis and you... do a test you test out you know you perform your test whatever and you look at the results and if your hypothesis is incorrect you go back and adjust your hypothesis Mm -hmm. what we've been doing is just adjusting the results to prove the hypothesis Mm -hmm. which that's a terrible way to do science people but we need to (laughs) believe the science you need to follow the science especially when we're manipulating the science yes and the same goes for business the same goes for your own personal relationships everything yeah you know what piece of data i find the most interesting in that people don't is this manipulation to you or not okay people will tell you what their revenue numbers are as if that's some really big thing like hey we had like you know we're a seven-figure business we had you know 1.2 million dollars in revenue so many people don't realize how truly and utterly meaningless that number is because that doesn't tell you anything if you had you know 1.4 million in expenses you're losing money Right. But people love to shove that revenue number out there, but they're not, they don't, they don't talk about the other numbers, the real numbers that matter. And that's not the one that matters. Yeah. They just talk about the vanity numbers. I've got a hundred thousand followers on, on Facebook or Instagram, wherever followers exist. Um, you know, I did this much in revenue. Like, uh, yes. All of that's like, cool. What are your margins? There you go. Margins. Right. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like are, are you profitable or, you know, are you engaged with your online followers? Do your employees give two fucks about your business? Yes. Like those are the things, th- those are the numbers that matter. Yes. Uh, your revenue matters, but alone it means nothing. It, it means, yeah. You, you can't <clears throat> look at, you can't look at any single data point and make a judgment about anything. Right. And if you can, it's probably because you have years of experience looking at that data point. And you're using previous experience data that you already gathered to make a judgment call based upon that one data point. So, you, okay. Like, so, question for you: If our if if someone said to you, "I am I don't know in let's just say food service distribution, right? We both have worked in food service distribution before. If somebody in said my operating company inside of this business has 28% margins. Is there anything that you can discern from that number? No, not really. Nothing. You don't know if it's a, they're, they're profitable. You nothing. There's literally nothing. Uh, I mean, you can probably guess based upon like, I mean, you can you can you can make like infer some things, but again, like I wouldn't make any business decisions about it. So, which which number is more telling? The 
our we had revenues of one point two million, or my margins are twenty eight percent. The margins, because yeah. that's using at least two data points to get a percentage. Interesting. That's how they work. But wait, we have to take a break, Julie. I know. We do have to take a break. Do you want to tell our listeners about Certivium? Sure. Uh, do you remember what it is? Yes, yeah, Certivium <laughs> is our other business that we have. It's all about customer service, customer engagement, social media management, social media strategies, everything that... You need to do that's customer facing, not everything, but most things um, that, you know, involves customer engagement and uh, you should check it out. Uh, Cabo Fish Taco Richmond uses Certivium. Um, and if you like what you see out there, hit up Certivium. You can get to uh, Certivium through the link on our website on sbbase.com or you can get the link in the show notes. We will take a quick break and we'll be back to talk more about data. And welcome back to the show, everybody. We have our guest, Anthony Algman, on the show. He is the uh, owner, creator, uh, leader of Data, data Leadership uh, Lessons. Uh, that's, the, that's his podcast. He is the data leadership advocate. And um, he's just a leader in data. He's a leader in yes. general. <laughs> yes, in Anthony general. Anthony is a leader. Yes. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure yeah. to be here. Oh, yeah, we're kind of looking forward to this one, kind of, mildly. No, actually, this will be fun because we were recently recorded with you and we're on your podcast and we had a blast. So we, we got to get this cat on our show. Yeah. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about you. So, yeah, I, I am all things data, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm weird because... I don't really find as much enjoyment in like the data science, what I would call the data science world of statistics and programming and, and like using the data to come up with the uh, answers to things or, 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 you know, big models and, and stuff like that. I like building the platforms that those people use. So that's always kind of been my thing. And so that has kind of injected me in different points at different parts of organizations because it then becomes part of a larger change initiative for an organization. But the way I think about it, my, my career has kind of three acts, like all great stories, right? First act, I was in the financial industry, trading firms, learning how to program, learning how to build data, warehouses, business intelligence, all those kinds of data things that are core to anything that we're doing. Second act, data strategy consulting, data governance consulting, a lot of consulting, a lot of all the other stuff that surrounds data. And then third act started during the pandemic where I said, okay, how can I apply this as a consultant when none of the engagements go long enough to really see it all the way through? So I took a position with a, a large pharma company to help them on a journey that seemed very meaningful and that we could get really deep with all of the platform creation that we needed to do. So I do that now as my primary activity while still doing the data leadership advocacy through the podcast and through other work that I do with Algman Data Leadership. Man, I'm having to bite my tongue right now, Anthony. <laughs> I really, I, Corey, can you read my, I, I bet yeah. you can both read my mind right now what's happening, right? I did not realize that you had taken a position with Big Pharma. And that you work uh, with data. That is that that is a very interesting area to be in right now. 
Well, it was something I wasn't looking for. It was yeah. something where, you know, the pandemic hit and I was doing my independent consulting thing. I was I was building a name through the state of leadership, through the book and the podcast. And I'm like doing OK. I can work remotely. This pandemic's an inconvenience, but we'll move forward. Mm-hmm. I got a call from some people that I'd worked with previously, and they're like, hey, we're on this journey to build this kind of massive platform that will help us do medicine better, you know, find medicine better, bring together information in ways that has never been done before. And I'm like, you've got my interest. And and in the context of a pandemic, it just was an opportunity to do something that I felt really mattered. And when I compared what I had been doing with the opportunity to get in the game against disease like COVID and, and other things, I said, well, I'll regret this forever if I don't do it. All right, let's go. Let's just do this and point me to the shovels. Let's let's make this happen. And and you know, it's been almost two years and, and haven't looked back. And I, and I, you know, do feel like we're on the precipice of doing something really, really amazing. Well, so over the past two years, when it comes to data, um, and this is not an indictment on you at all, but when it comes to data and, and data in general, people tend to make decisions based off of incomplete or single points of data um, and they love to manipulate the data to, to tell the story that they want to tell. Um, and so we can get into that. But Julie asked uh, me a question uh, before, before you joined, and I want to get your answer on this. Of Is there ever a, like a good reason to manipulate data? <laughs> this is this is an ethics question more than this is a, a technical <laughs> question. Um, it sure is. <laughs> I, I really believe that fundamentally data is the closest thing to truth that we have in our organizations, in our lives, really. Um, it, it's quantifiable. It's, it's understandable, but it's interpretable. And it's, you know, it, it is almost inherently subjective because the moment you try to derive meaning from those nuggets of truth, you are inevitably going to somewhat distort that. Um, drawing stories isn't the data's job. Drawing stories is, is a people's job. And so I, I think of it, I don't know if I can say from an ethics perspective, I'm no ethics expert uh, in terms of, of that kind of deep question. What I will say is that a lot of times people intend to misinterpret or misuse the data And that's pretty clearly wrong under most circumstances, at least. The other side, which is the part that really scares me, is when people don't intend to do that and happen to do that anyway through faulty analysis or biased analysis or some sort of error in their process because they're so interested in the outcome that they have in mind. They're going to find that in the data no matter what. That scares me way more because then they have no thought that, hey, maybe I misinterpreted this because they're so convinced they're right to begin with. Which do you think has been happening more over the past two years? Do you think it's been misinterpreted unintentional or do you think it's been intentional misrepresentation of manipulation of the data? I don't think there's a lot of intentional misrepresentation of the data. I think it fits people's preconceived hypothesis. So they say, okay, I know what the answer is. Now I'm going to go back and find the data that will support that answer. So maybe they can find data that supports that answer if they take uh, 10% of the data that's available and then massage it to what they want. Um, I don't know that they're, I don't think they intentionally say, 
I know I'm thinking the wrong thing here and I know the data is going to support the other thing. And so I'm going to go find data and twist it intentionally to this other thing that I know is not true. I think they are, are trying to use data the right way because they're convinced that they're right in the first place. That's interesting. I, cause I almost view those as the, the example you gave as the same thing, but I can literally see the difference, the line that you drew and like, yeah, now I'm, I'm, that's very interesting. Like you've kind of, you, you opened my mind a little bit here on this one. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you have, somebody wants to tell a story and they will go out and find the information they need to support that story and disregard everything else. And yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And um, the frustrating part is that when you present actual data that conflicts with their story, they're like, well, no, that's incorrect. You're incorrect. It's like, well, no, like I'm, I'm not doing anything. The numbers are just the numbers and you can, you can, you can make, you know, form your own opinion based upon whatever they, they say. But yeah. Um, so short, I, I said uh, manipulating data is basically just lying. So I don't think there's a good reason like, personally that, that you should manipulate data, but I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. if it's a four year old and you're trying to get them to eat vegetables, like it's okay. <laughs> if a four year old is very responsive to a highly quantitative analysis, I am. I want to meet that four-year-old. Because I do not. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that child is in for a very long and lonely life. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's dive in then into data leadership and and uh, uh, just being as um, I guess just like how you coach people through just becoming leaders, like data leaders within their own businesses. Yeah. And to me, it's all about the fundamentals of recognizing where what data value is and and where it comes from, because I think there's a lot of terms, there's a lot of concepts in the data world that feel familiar. So we all think we know what they are. But upon closer scrutiny, we don't necessarily see all the details. So the, the core thing with data value is that data really has all this potential and there's, we, we know, we have this sense, right? There's, there's data value, there's asset value, data assets. And really, it only manifests when we take that data and, and create some sort of information or wisdom, some, some sort of improvement in what we do in our businesses, in our lives, really in anything, based on that data that we have. And if we do something different, and that leads to a change in overall results, that differential in results is where the value is. So it's about saying, how can I drive meaningful business improvements with the data that we have in a way that will lead to more revenue, lower costs, better risk management, something tangible of value. And it's that differential that we are trying to maximize with data leadership. So data leadership is all about all of the stuff you have to do to take data and drive better activities and decisions with it. And that's really what it's all about, because you can't just say, "Okay, data, give me some value. You have to say, "Okay, data, what story are you trying to tell me? And then what should I do about that information? And how can I automate that? How can I expand that? And how can I actually capitalize on that if I have a business where the data has told me, hey, my business is bad? Well, what does my business do then? I have to adjust something, right? So it's it's how do we string all of that together. And so the study of that is what I focus on with data leadership is saying, how do I connect all of these data assets through whatever means necessary to better business impact? And then 
making those connections, understanding the organizational change, understanding the technical components and the strategic components of doing that, all of those things complement one another in, in creating this kind of balanced approach to a pipeline of activities that lead to better business results. So that all of those, yes, yes to all of that. Yes. What about people? How can I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask this question. So I'm going to kind of toss it out there and maybe Corey can massage the question for me so that it makes more sense. When, before people have launched a business, what data should they be looking at to make, help them guide the decision of, of if, whether it's even worth starting the business? I think that may, I think I worded that well. Sure. Sounds fine to me. <laughs> so in, in my opinion, it's about understanding whether or not you have a viable business opportunity in front of you. What are the, com what's the competitive landscape like? What are the, the opportunities for, for growing this business and how do you have a upper hand ideally in being successful with this business? And there's been times in my career where I've had business ideas where I said, this is a great idea for a business. This is an underserved market. There's a way I could do things uniquely. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, any person could go and do this as well as I could. Mm -hmm. And so then I realized, eh, that's probably not the business for me because the, the competitive threats are, are too high. But I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in, in knowing exactly which piece of data to um, pluck out for every situation. What I would say is if you are looking at a situation where you're thinking about going into business and you are light on cash and you need to bootstrap this, that would be where I would focus my energies to say, okay, I know I have this challenge in front of me. I need to understand what those cash flows are because I think this is probably an area that if we're not successful in managing this, it could jeopardize the success of the business as a whole. And so for each situation, I would try to identify those things. Where are the opportunities to use data to change our behaviors in the most meaningful ways? That's really what data leadership and data value are all about is saying, there's infinite things we can do. There's infinite things we can analyze and we could spend the rest of time analyzing those things. But really, none of that creates real value. All of that only creates potential value, but we care about real value. So the real value is how do we do activities that are most beneficial? So understanding the concept of things like opportunity cost, it's a basic economics that you can apply in the details for specific metrics and specific ways you're going to analyze your own situation. That to me is what's most important because it's that problem solving that people need to understand because everybody's situation is a little bit unique. How do you feel about, <clears throat> excuse me, dashboards? Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I worked for this company and, and once a week I had to create this dashboard and I feel like my boss was just making me do that just so that, he could, like, he knew that I was doing something and that, you know, but it was like, the, there's, the only reason that you would want to, like, have data to analyze is if you're actually going to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And and I, I feel like a lot of times people just, they want to see this dashboard with pie charts and, and graphs and numbers and and all of that, but they it's just, it's, it's fluff. Um, so, like, how, how do you get people, like, how, how do you... How do you determine or help somebody determine what are the actual numbers that they should be looking at on a regular basis? It typically goes something like this. A, a client, uh, an organization, somebody will ask me to produce something like a dashboard for them. And, and so my first question is, if I give you this, what will you do differently? 
what will what change in activity? I'm literally going to the definition of data value and data leadership. What what will you do differently based on the information that you get on this report? Oh, I just need to know this information so I can do my normal stuff. It's the same things that I would be doing, but I just like to have it here. And I'm like, no, we're not doing it then. What we need to do is find the thing that will drive differentials in your activity because that's where the value is. Don't invest in something that's just going to make you feel better because you can go and see how important you are with fancy dashboards. What matters is how do you learn from the information being presented to you in a way that you can do something different. If it's completely predictable, automate it. Don't do it. Don't like find a way to, to remove that from your mental load because all that's doing is consuming resources without creating any actual value. And so that's where we have to have that conversation. They're too often. And this is, this is a, a, an absolute problem in enterprises and, and really every kind of organization with a technology group that I've ever seen is that the flow of requests and, and direction is too one directional. It's, it's the business tells the technology group or the consultants, hey, go build me this because this is what I want. And the technology people valuing their jobs are like, okay, well, let's go build this and we'll, we'll build it to spec and we'll build it to the requirements. The conversation really needs to be bringing together both areas of expertise and collectively figuring out what is the solution that leads to the most difference in outcome, presumably a positive difference in outcome. But how do we say, hey, if, if we give you this, is it going far enough? How will this get you to do something drastically different on a, on a given day? That's the kind of thing we have to drive for. And that's only going to happen if we can have that flow of information going both directions. That is a, most businesses do not look at it that way at all. They, they, what I have find that happens so frequently when you're, you know, at requesting a dashboard or certain data sets and you've got to go to like the technology team to do it. Frequently, there's an ask being made that the, you know, IT team, the tech team doesn't even really know how to fulfill on. Or like, uh, so now you've got sort of all this behind the scenes kind of merging of data or manipulating of data, cleansing the data. God, how many times have we used that phrase in our career, Corey? Cleanse the data, um, scrub the data. Um, it, but you're making a request that's actually in the end kind of unreasonable or not even one that can be accomplished by them in the manner that you're thinking it can because you know the data from one perspective the you know technology folks know it from a different perspective and those those two perspectives don't always they don't meet in the middle well, one of the big challenges right is is that our organizations are very siloed both in terms of function and in terms of business area or domain and when it comes to data and, and like what i was talking about with data leadership when it comes to data, data plays across the entire organization. Data doesn't silo itself quite the same way. And the value of that data moves around that organization. Would it be useful for sales information to make it to marketing so marketing knows what to do? And for, for manufacturing, of course, right? All of these things we want to share. Well, in this world of data first, in this, this data-centric mindset, we have to find ways to move across those silos in effective manner so that we can all share in this data, so we can all benefit from the collective wisdom about our organizations, and we can drive the biggest impacts in our specific areas. Now, we're going to always probably have some specificity in our functions because there's expertise there. And so there's probably a good reason why we're siloed in, the, in that rate, in, in that way. But 
we're probably going to need to break down these barriers that have caused us so many problems in terms of organizational efficiencies uh, throughout the years. Now that data is driving more things, we have to find ways to connect across our organizations in ways we we haven't been very good at uh, traditionally in the past. Yeah, and we definitely need to become better at uh, the business side, trying not to make IT decisions and IT side, not making business decisions because that that was always a problem for us. But unfortunately, we have to get going. So I want to uh, thank you, Anthony, for coming on the show. Everything that you need to, uh, well, I don't know if everything, but if you want to connect with Anthony, head on over to dataleadershiplessons.com. He's got his podcast out there. Check that out. Um, thank you again, Anthony, for being on the show and thank you to our listeners and everything you need to know about us and Anthony will be in the show notes. Yeah, if you want to work with us, you or connect with us, everything you need to know about us is at sbpace.com and in those show notes that Corey talked about, including our second business, Certivium. So go ahead and reach out to us at sbpace.com. If you haven't started doing this already, download and rate our podcast, subscribe and give us a review, reach out about any topics you might want uh, to have us cover, and check out our radio show, Defeat the Chaos. It's on the Voice America. Did I defeat the chaos? Did I say that right? Yeah. You, you did, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's on the Voice America business channel. It's every Thursday morning live at 9 a.m., and you can check it on demand whenever. 9 a.m. Eastern. Yes, the only time zone that matters, Julie. I think everybody knows that. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we have a book. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It is a number one Amazon bestseller, which we recently learned isn't really that big of a deal, but it still sounds kind of important. Um, the book comes with a digital download workbook that is filled with exercises to help you improve your business and understand the data in your business. Look at that, Anthony. We worked that in. If you already have the book, go to Amazon and rate and review it because we love to be judged. That's true. And that is it for today. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.